Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. I want to talk today about this idea of generosity. It's amazing to me how many of the people I talk to that are older said, you know, if I, if I had some advice for my younger self, it would be to stop white-knuckling the things in life so much, but to live with a greater degree of open-headedness, to, to, to live with an openness over my life, to be more generous. So today, as we kind of wrap up this series, I thought we'd talk a little bit about generosity in our lives. And so before we get into it, we always get you talking a little bit. And so uh, this is a good time if you want to move around and sit with someone who looks like they're generous right now, or uh, move around and sit with somebody who just looks good. Uh, You can do that at this moment. And we're going to do our generosity quiz. Okay. Uh, We'll do our generosity quiz. Okay. Number one this morning, just get you talking at your tables. Give a hand to our most generous of tables. And so... So if you need to, you need anything, just talk to Jacques and he, he'll take care of you. So, okay, so we're talking this morning about generosity a little bit. And so here's what I want you to do just before we look into God's word. What are some of the best benefits of, of walking your life with a generosity? And then maybe if you want to talk about a time, maybe you witness some extreme generosity that you want to talk about. Go ahead, talk about that. And then we'll look into God's word. Generosity in our lives. Uh, I remember back when I was a kid, my dad... And my mom, they took me to open my first bank account. And I was a little kid, just really pretty young. And I remember um, for a while, my signing was like printed Jason. Um, But um, we went to the TD Bank in Paris, a little bank in downtown Paris, Ontario, where I grew up most of my growing up years. And and as we went to the bank, um, I had $50. And I remember thinking $50 felt like I won the lottery. Like, I felt like, you know, I was like rolling. Like, <laughs> I was just, I felt like I, I had like, whoa, this is incredible. And, and I remember like being just like high, high on, on, on this amount of finance and just so excited and, and pumped. And then my parents said to me, okay, Jason, so what is your plan for generosity? What are you going to give away? And it was like, I'm like, seriously, like, you know, what are you talking about? And I remember going from the feeling of I have so much, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, I have to give some away? And my parents talking to me about the blessing of generosity in my life and how I needed to plan, and right from the get-go, from the time I was the, the youngest kid with the first money that I'd ever earned, so to speak, that I needed to have a plan for generosity. And I remember at the time, the, at the beginning, it was really hard. And I remember as a kid, like, I was a little kid. These are some of my first memories. But, but it was like, oh, you know, painful to give away, you know, that little bit. And I remember them talking to me and said, okay, like, at least minimum, you need to give away five bucks of that. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. And as a kid, like, it was five Hot Wheel cars I could buy with that money, you know? But later in life, I've recognized that they gave me something invaluable to teach me that it's actually freedom over my life to be generous. 
to live your life open-handed rather than closed-fisted is actually a freedomizing thing and not, not a bondage thing. It's not a, it's not a chore, a negative, but it's actually the most positive thing to be able to say, okay, how can I be generous? How can I walk with an open-handedness over my life? If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me uh, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, or we're also going to cross-reference it by Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And we're going to look at this story of a guy by the name, we don't even know his name. They call him by the rich young ruler oftentimes. And to set the context of what's going on, Jesus is teaching here, and there's so many people uh, that are really influential and have status that are trying to be around Jesus. He's the hot commodity right now. This is before the crowds turned on him. This is when everyone, like, oh, we want to be around Jesus. And they love the fact that he's like, they love the altruistic heart of Jesus, but yet, how many of them really want to live that out? And they love this idea that, you know, Jesus is for all the people, but they don't really want that lived out in their own life. And we get this story, they're picking up the disciples. They, in fact, they're, they're kind of managing Jesus, and, and there's the kids that want to spend some time with Jesus. Now, you got to understand a little bit the culture of the day is back in this time in the Middle East, kids had absolutely no status. Like our society has actually flip-flopped that in a lot of ways and, and for really good reason in some ways, but, but they have like no status. And here's Jesus and the disciples are shooing them away and like more important people want to see you, more important people. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Guys, you've got it mixed up. Let the kids come. Let those without status, bring them to me. And then we immediately follow the story up with this guy who we recognize comes to Jesus. We don't know a lot about him, but... Scripture tells us that he's wealthy. He, ha- he owns a lot of things. It says that he's in a position of power and authority and that he's young. Kind of our society would say, hey, you got everything going for you. You know, you're rich, you're young, you're influential and powerful. You got a maid. And, and he comes to Jesus and he's so narcissistic and he's all about me. He's, and so he's kind of trying to be the deal. And he's like, well, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he's basically fishing for a compliment. Like he's like, I've done everything right forever in a day. And like, look at me and how awesome I am. I'm kind of the deal. And Jesus' response is interesting. He said, well, but one thing you lack. He's like, what? I lack something? I got the world on the tail. I I got it all together. I'm the deal. I lack. And I love how Jesus, he doesn't deal with anybody based on, you know, he sets an example for everybody. You know, he, he deals with everybody very individualistically. He doesn't have any like, well, okay, I've dealt with that person this way. I got to deal with everybody. But, but he knows the heart, right? And so he said to him, one thing you lack I want you to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then follow me. Now, Jesus isn't necessarily saying to all of us that we have to have a monastic lifestyle where we sell, but he, but he knows the trigger of this guy's heart. And he speaks to him and he says, listen, sell everything, uh, give it to the poor, follow me. And it's interesting, Mark 10, says he owned much and so he became disheartened. It's interesting, he became disheartened. It's how our heart can sometimes become attached to our things. 
And when our heart is given to stuff and when our heart is given to things, it, it creates an unhealthy bond there. And he became disheartened by this news. And, and Luke's gospel had said that he was very sad. And he walked away from the opportunity to become one of Jesus' disciples. I imagine we don't get any follow-up to this. But I imagine when he was old and gray and he's white-knuckling his stuff. I wonder what he said, dear younger self. You know, I had the chance. I had the chance to walk with Jesus. I had the chance to be there when he like cleansed this guy's eyes and, and he was blind and then he could see. I could have been there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. I could have been one of those guys holding the baskets of bread, you know, when he gave 12 uh, loaves and a, and a handful of fishes and, and I could have been one of those guys. But I white knuckled it and I held on and I lost out. And Jesus' response to us is one where, and Jesus isn't browbeating him. He's not trying to like, oh, grandstand and look at this. But in fact, it said that Jesus loved him. That Jesus wasn't doing this to say, oh, 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 you got to give away. But he actually knew that that would be a freedomizing thing in his life. Just like my parents when they said, okay, what's your plan for generosity? Jay, you got 50 bucks. It wasn't to say, wah, wah, wah. They actually knew that that would be a freedomizing thing over my life for years to come. Generosity. Dear younger self, if I had to do it all over again, Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, listen to what it says. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help others are helped. Is your world getting larger and larger? See, I've found that people that white knuckle and hold on to things, they silo themselves and they become, you know, more narcissistic unto themselves and their world gets smaller and smaller. But the world of the generous, as Jesus says, gets larger and larger. That those who are generous, actually, it becomes a blessing in their lives. Proverbs 21, 26 says, the greedy always want more, but the godly love to give. That God does something in our heart that when we allow God to be working in us, that we actually become more like him when we're generous in our lives. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, the apostle Paul, he writes to this church in Corinth and he says, hey, you guys got a lot of things going well for yourself. You got a lot of things going right, but I want, just as you're excelling in all these things, don't forget, I want you to excel. In other words, be intentional. It's not gonna happen by accident. Accident. Be intentional about excelling, and listen how it says it, in the grace of giving. I like that. It's actually like a heart connection. In the grace of giving over our lives. First Timothy 6, Paul writes to young Timothy, he says, command them. He used a pretty hard word. Command them to do good, to be generous and willing to share. Some days I wonder, and I, you know, money's a hard thing to talk about, and giving and generosity. But he writes to young Paul, he says, listen, this is a command over a leader that you need to, why? Because it leads people and it says the life that's truly life. You know, I've, as I shared about this, I've never actually met somebody when they're older that has said to me, Jay, I just wish I wasn't so generous. 
You know, I, I, I haven't met somebody that, you know, when they get to the end, they say, oh, if only I wouldn't have given that away. It would have been so much better. I've never, ever met someone like that. You know, I've never met someone yet that's been ruined by generosity in their lives. I've never met someone that's, that, 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 that's been destroyed by generosity, but I have met the opposite side of that many, many times. You want to experience life that's truly life? Scripture says to live open-handed, that to not close fist everything, but instead, okay, God, help me to be a conduit. Help me to be a funnel to how you want to bless. See, God's principles are always so backwards to this world's. Increasing generosity actually brings increase over our lives. And that's an interesting thing. It's like this, this paradox that the Lord says, hey, you want to be great? Then become the, the, the biggest servant of all. Hey, you, you want to have increase in your life? Increase generosity over your life. That his principles are opposite to the ways of this world. That when we walk in a trust in him, and really this story is, a, is about trust in him. So how do we increase generosity to increase? Well, a few things. Number one is that when we are about generosity, there's a heart increase. There really is. It's interesting, the story, this guy is so consumed with self. Well, what about me? What about me? I've been doing all these things. And he uses that personal pronoun, I, 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 all the time. And notice Jesus, his, his response to him is, okay, be about them. Sell, give to them. And Jesus pushes him beyond. That I believe that there's such an intricate uh, connection between our heart and our hand. And when we live with an open hand, it actually opens our heart and vice versa. When we live with a closed-fisted, closed hand, it actually closes our heart to so many things. Is your heart growing? See, it's in every area of your lives. I'm not just talking about finance, but in our time, talent, treasure. If you're one of those people that nickel and dimes everything, I can guarantee you, you know, you can just find them in any office. You can find the person that, you know, I put in just exactly the minute of amount of work that I need to put in. That I fight for every little little inch of space that I get and, and I nickel and dime on everything and I'm not generous. And their heart is like, <sighs> versus those that live open-handedly. You know, this summer I had we were talking about our Vision Forward campaign. And I actually had a couple moms. I, I, yeah, sometimes you see kids and, and we talk about things, and especially during the offering time because we have a bunch of the kids helping do the offering and they're always like, the buckets are dropping and there's chaos and you wonder sometimes what they get. And I had uh, some moms say to me, and actually one mom in particular said, my son, he just got a hold of this idea about, you know, he, he cares about the building and, you know, he brought essentially his like piggy bank. You know, just a kid, like under 10. It's just a handful of dollars, you know. But I want to tell you as a pastor, when you get that, you're like, oh. I talked to our lead team and I'm like, you know, when you got kids bringing their piggy banks, we better use this money well. <laughs> Like, we have a God-given call over our lives. Like, don't screw this up. 
And to see that kid, his heart like is bigger than just that. It's like, okay, I want to serve and I want to bless. Because you see, Scripture says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to cut the grass and I'll be on the grass cutting team and I'll help in this and this and this and this and this. See, because where your heart is invested, everything else comes along with it. Is your heart increasing? Is your heart growing to the things of God? Jesus speaks and he uses these kids. They, they were unhindered by status. They didn't care about any of this. You know, a kid, their, their heart, they'll connect with anybody. And Jesus speaks, you know, this is kind of what I want. When we're open-handed, I believe our heart, Matthew 6, 19, 21, that idea Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Don't worry about storing up treasures here for where your treasures there, your heart will be. Is your heart increasing? Secondly, is your joy increasing? We see this paradox of the kids like messing around and playing with Jesus and laughing and, and then we see this guy who has conceivably everything the world has to offer, money, power, youth. And he walks away, Scripture says, very sad. You know, I've realized long ago that your bottom line doesn't determine your joy factor in life. When I pastored in Hong Kong, I pastored some of the wealthiest people I've ever pastored. Literally, our youth group on Friday night had a line of Rolls Royces. The one night I counted 26 Rolls Royces dropping. They love Rolls Royces in Hong Kong, but 26 Rolls Royces dropping kids off for youth. Some of the saddest people I've ever worked with in my entire life. I've worked with some of the poorest of poor and, and that had nothing. And, you know, I worked with Filipino maids working with like nothing and yet just the joy and the celebration worship service was like chaos they just dance and it really isn't a matter of what you have I believe it's as you live open-handed and see I believe your joy increases as you begin to say okay Lord help me to live open-handed when I was pastoring up in northern Ontario we had this lady who was like, she's a cranky lady. She used to sit in the back corner. And we had the entranceway to the, the sanctuary was in the back corner. And she was the first seat in. And she'd just sit there like this, angry all the time. just cranky. And she'd give like a death stare to people if they came in late or were noisy. And I was like, oh, would you just sit somewhere else, you know? And she was always cranky and angry and sad. And, and so uh, I started meeting with her. And, and it just was like, oh, it was like going to the dentist every week, if I can be honest. Uh, like, as a pastor, it was hard slugging. And finally, I got to this spot, and she, she wasn't moving forward on anything. And I said, you know, I'm not going to meet with you again until you do something for somebody else. I said, you've lived so unto yourself that you just, you can't see beyond and she's like, you can't do that as, your, as my pastor. I'm not the best counselor in the whole world. <laughs> and it, it probably wasn't my finest moment. And I'm like, no, until you do something for somebody else, I'm not going to meet with you. And she's like, you can't. I'm like, nope. 
So we had this little standoff, and Carla's like, Jason, and I was like, and she got like increasing rage for a few weeks, and she's like, you have to meet with me, you're my pastor, and I'm like, until you serve somebody else and bless somebody else, we ain't meeting. <sighs> and it got like vicious. Once again, not my finest moment. But then she finally said to me, okay, what do I have to do? So she blinked. And um, so I said, okay, well, you like to do kitchen stuff, so why don't, you, why don't you help out some of the kids? We, do this, we were doing this program called Wacky Wednesday for kids. And so I said, why don't you serve some kids some ice cream? Well, get me the ice cream. And, I'll, and I said, no, 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 you got to buy the ice cream. I don't have any money. So the week one, she shows up and like doles out the tiniest scoops of ice cream you could ever imagine, like micro-sized scoops. And, 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 you know, just angry about it. Like, all oh, these kids are so loud. And the kids get the ice cream and, you know, they're kids. And so they're like, whoa, ice cream. You know, they don't care that it's like the stingiest of, and so anyways. Week two goes by, and I notice that, like, the mini micro scoop turns to just a little bit bigger, and, like, as the weeks went on, then finally, like, a few weeks down the road, we got, we went from, like, just vanilla to, like, oh, we got some strawberry here, and then, you know, as the months went on, the countenance started to change, and then, like, it was like a Sunday bar, and then it was like, you know, like Baskin Robbins for kids. And it was like amazing. And they used to, in, in town, everyone started calling her Mrs. Sunday. And, and kids would see her in the street, hey, Mrs. Sunday. And she'd have this big smile. It was like transformation. Why? She went from white knuckling and worried about her own stuff all the time to just saying, okay, I'm going to start living a little more open-handed. I'm going to start living beyond me. Joy increases every time. Your heart increases, your joy increases. And then finally this morning, I believe blessing increases. And I'm not here to speak some prosperity kind of gospel to you and, you know, give to get kind of idea. Not at all. But a God-given principle over your life. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It says, remember this. In other words, don't forget it. Turn to person and say, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We talk a lot in this world in a non-scriptural kind of idea about, you know, karma. And I want to tell you, this is, this is beyond karma here. This is saying, you know what? Every single thing you do, you cast a vote for the world you want to see. You know, we talk about the Americans on Tuesday, and that's a big deal, you know? And we need to pray for them. It's like, whoa. As they cast a vote for the future they want to see. And on Wednesday morning, the United States will look very different based on the votes cast. And likewise in your life, every dollar that you spend, you cast a vote on the world that you want to see. Every dollar that you invest into lives and hearts, you cast a vote on how you want this world to see. Every time that you spend your time and say, okay, I'm going to invest it in some kid. I'm going to invest it into my neighbor. You cast a vote on the world that you want to see. Scripture says, those people who sow well will reap well. Those who sow stingy, those who sow negative things, those who sow unto themselves, they'll reap that as well. 
I ask the question over your life, uh, uh, is the blessing increasing over your life? See, really it's about, it's a, it's a principle of trusting in God. And he's trying to get this guy like, oh, if he would have just given it up. Jesus had so many more blessings in store for this guy. So many more. But he was unwilling to trust Jesus with it. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, the generous person will prosper. Luke 6, 38, it says, give and it will be given to you. Uh, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, poured into your lap. And listen to this, for the measure you use will be the measure used unto you. In other words, if you nickel and dime and you're like, okay, I have to give something, so I'll just give the least amount. And you start asking the question about the least amount you can give. It says, that's the same measure that'll be used back to you. But if you say, okay, what can I give? That'll be the measure. Like, <sighs> See, the thing about it is God always has a bigger shovel than we do. And he always wants to just heap it on more. It says, pressed down, shaken together, running over. See, why did my parents take me when I was a kid? Say, okay, what's your plan for generosity, Jay? So my dad grew up really poor, actually. He grew up, he was like, some of his stories amaze me. You know, he grew up, they didn't have running water. They didn't have indoor plumbing. He was like little house on the prairie. They, had, they lived like hand to mouth, like they didn't even have food a lot of the time. And, you know, they were poor, like really poor. And he always tells me about memories of growing up, things repossessed, like their vehicles repossessed. And, you know, coming, you know, he just says in... And he started out, and they were, he was poor, him and my mom, and they started out in business. They were poor, poor, poor. Like, my mom talks about crying because she, she couldn't afford diapers for my brother, you know what I mean? Like, that kind of poor. And my dad came to faith in Christ in his late 20s, early 30s, and, and at that time, they were challenging around this idea of generosity, and he was like, I have no margin in my life at all, like, no margin. And so... The idea of, okay, I'm going to test God in this. And so he said he remembers that he made a commitment to God. Okay, I'm going to give $1 away a week of my, what I have, a buck. And you think a buck, like less than a coffee. But, you know, take this down to the 70s. It was a bit more, but still. And he's like, he said it was so hard because they had no margin. And as he started doing that, he saw that all of a sudden, he had a little bit more margin in his life. He was like, wow, this is amazing. And so he doubled down, and he said, okay, I'm going to give away $2 every week. And then it went further and further, and he said that was when in his life, everything started to change. And he said, I had more opportunity in my life, and financial, like business-wise, God just opened huge doors for him. And now it's like everywhere I go, I meet people that say, oh, Jay. And I love that he does it behind. Like he'd be so embarrassed if I was telling you this, but he's not here. <laughs> but I love everywhere I go, I have people like, oh, your dad's Arnie Small. Oh, he's been so generous. You know, he did this so, when I was going through a hard time or he poured in this, you know, and, and I just love that. You know, when we were kids, there was lots of times, and my parents were fairly well off at a time. But every time, it was like, okay, Jay, we're not going to do that because we, we really want to work at trying to raise some money to be generous for somebody. 
Oh, we're not going to get that because we're working to buy a car for somebody. We're, we're, we got a plan in store. And I've seen the blessing of generosity firsthand, undeniable. So when we started community, we said about community, we want to be a place this heroic, sacrificial generosity. And you know, in our first year, we had like 10 people in my living room. It wasn't that hard. Or maybe it was, actually. We had an income of like 13 grand for our church year one. It was like, how generous can we be, you know? And we just decided that we were going to be radically generous. The year two, we gave away 40% of everything that came in, and, and it was hard sometimes. You know, there's moments when you want to get the better projector and the fancy lights and the nice stuff, but it's like, no, no, no. We're going to be intentionally open-handed. Increasing generosity brings increase. Are you living your life closed-fisted? Are you living your life and saying, you know, I, it's, I, 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 I just, I got to hold on to everything? Or are you saying, okay, God, help me to open my life to be a conduit to those around? It starts, students, it starts right now in your life. If you don't set that pattern now, it becomes way more difficult later on. But start and say, okay, right from the beginning, from your first 50 bucks, God, help me to live with a generosity over my life and see what he will do. The only area scripture allows us to test God in, the only area it says to test him in is in the area, it says, test me in this. See that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out more blessing than you can imagine. Isn't that incredible? So this week, would you test him in that? Let's pray. Mighty God, God, my prayer over this church and over us as a people that we would be a generous people. God, that you would help us to, um, God, not live closed-fisted, not live white-knuckling everything in our world. But God, let us live beyond that. Lord, let us live open-handed, Lord, as, as conduits, as funnels of blessing to those that we come in contact with, with those around us. Lord, help us to live beyond just status quo, the 0.66% that Canadians give. Lord, help us to, to, help us to live way crazy beyond that. Lord, first of all, because you ask it. Second of all, because we trust you. God, that your principles are true, that it's the path to a greater, bigger heart. It's the path to more joy. It's the, it's the path to blessing in our lives. So God, help us as a church, help us as a lead team, help us as individuals to live open-handed over this world around us, God, to live for something bigger. So God, I pray in your name, amen. Just as you go this morning, uh, Maddie's coming around, and she's got um, a 10-carat gold coin for everybody. Can I just hold it for a second? And it's filled with chocolatey goodness. And so here's what I want you to do. To be honest with you, the chocolate's kind of crap in it anyway, so don't eat it right away. But 
Um, if you just put it on your kitchen table for, for one week, if you're not in direct sunlight, and I want you just to pray, and maybe as individuals or maybe as a family, and maybe you can even discuss it as a family and say, how could we be more generous? How could we live our lives a little more open-handed this week and just see what God will do? Just see how he'll bless. I guarantee you, test him in it, and he will bless as you begin to live your life in a more open-handed way. Thanks for being with us, folks. Go in the grace and the peace in the joy and the plan that Christ has for you. If you'd like prayer this morning, we have some leaders across the front. We'd love to pray with you. Thanks for being with us. Remember tonight, we have our refresh night, seven o'clock tonight, and uh, you'll be blessed to be a part of it. Uh, seven o'clock for refresh night. Everyone else, go in the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.